I tell you, a season that many of us, if you're in Texas, a season that many of us wait for all year long, it, it's almost here. And the season I'm talking about, you know, I mean, it's football season. I mean, you know, it's kind of, we're, 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 we're kind of coming into it. And the, the pre, you know, we've gone through the, the warm-up games, you know, but we're about to get into the, into the real thing. And I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy taking in a football game. Uh, grew up in New York where football wasn't such a big thing, but I moved to Texas about 45 years ago or so, and, and I found out football is a big thing. So I, I understand now. And, you know, when you go to the games, whether it be at high school or whether it be at college, uh, pro, you know, in some ways, if you go to the game and what happens before the game, you, you kind of see the same thing in all the pregame. What you'll see as you go to the pregame, you'll see people, you know, they're passing the ball or they're running or they're blocking or, you know, they're kind of going through the warm-ups. But the one thing that you'll see every level do as they're warming up is that they stretch. You know, every group that you see out there in the field, one of the things that they're going to do is they're going to stretch. Because what they understand is that, you know, flexibility is key to their performance on the field. And so what happens is when you stretch, you, you increase your, your flexibility. And so you, you, know, you, you watch them go through those exercises and kind of to stretch them out, and the teams take it really seriously. You may or may not know this, but a couple years ago, the Cowboys installed ballet bars as part of their workout facility. I don't know if you, you know, knew that, but I don't know if you can imagine some guy's about 350 pounds on a ballet bar. I don't know. That's quite an image in my mind to kind of think about that, you know, but he's taking the stretching seriously. And some of our uh, nemesis in terms of football, uh, uh, Tom Brady, I guess you'd call him a nemesis, and like you know, like the Patriots, or, or Victor Cruz running back uh, for the Giants, you know, what they do is they're practitioners of yoga. And so what's happening is they're taking flexibility really seriously. It's key to what happens on the field. I want to tell you, friends, that the playing fields of life are more than simply a football field. That we find ourselves in so many arenas of life where flexibility, flexibility is really important. And the dictionary defines flexibility like this. It defines it as the ability to twist or to bend under stress, without breaking. The ability to twist or bend under stress without breaking. Oh, oh. One of the quotes that I really like is by a guy named Mike McGriffey, and, and he's uh, an author, and he, and he wrote this. He said, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. You know? Blessed are the flexible, they shall not be bent out of shape. But a second definition that follows right on that first one, that you find in the dictionary goes like this. Flexibility, the ability to adapt to change. Flexibility, our ability to adapt to change, to, you know, to bend, to twist, in the changes that we experience in life in ways that we're able to adapt so that it don't break us. And so that as we come through them, we actually can grow stronger. The ability to adapt to change, flexibility. And so I bring forward the question for us all to consider this morning as we look at the text and 
the question is this, how do I need to change? Would you say that with me this morning? How do I need to change? So let me ask you, how does that feel when you think about that question? Who likes that question? No, no, no hands going up. I don't like that question either. I tell you, when, when you, you ask yourself that question, I ask myself, what you feel? You feel the stretch. When I ask myself the question, how do I need to change? What starts to go around in my heart and my mind, I begin to feel how that pulls me. And so to ask myself the question is uncomfortable. And so I think about, you know, if it's uncomfortable, you know, why should I ask that question anyway? Why should I ask, why should you ask, how do I need to change? And I think there's some really good reasons that you and I should ask ourselves that question. First good reason is this, it's because the world changes, because the life around you changes, because the culture changes, and because all the world around you is changing. What we want to do, what you want to do, what I want to do, is to keep up. And so we ask ourselves the question, how do I need to change so that I can keep up with what is going on in my life? With what's going on in your life? Because I tell you, whether if we stop asking ourselves the question, that doesn't stop the world from changing. And that doesn't stop our lives from changing. When we stop asking ourselves that question, what happens is the world passes us by. And life keeps on going on, and it passes us by. When that begins to happen, that's just not a, it's not a good thing. It's not a pretty sight. And that's not a function of age. It's a function of attitude. Julie and I have a friend who's our age, and he has stopped asking the question, how do I need to change? And, and when we are around him, what you begin to see in his life is you begin to see how his world is shrinking. You begin to see how he's not adapting to what's going on in the in where he finds himself in life. And you can just watch how it's kind of coming in on him. And we're not quite sure what to do, but I tell you, it's just, it's not a pretty sight. It's not something, I mean, you, you're with him and you're thinking, man, that's, there's a lot that's going on there. And we just wish we could kind of open, you know, help him open up his world again, help him ask the question, how do I need to change to begin to, to, to expand again? But that's not where he is. And then we've had a saint here in the church and this saint is over 90 years old. And y'all may remember Catherine Gebhardt. And Catherine was the most lively, vivacious 90-year-old I've ever met. And Catherine was a lady who always asked, how do I need to change? She was the most techno-savvy grandma that I ever knew because she wanted to keep up with her grandson. And so she was always, how do I need to change? How do I need to grow? You know, we ask ourselves the questions, how do I need to change? Because the world changes. And we want to keep up with our world. We ask ourselves the question, how do I need to change? Because if we don't ask ourselves that question, we'll end up asking ourselves the contrasting question. And the contrasting question is this, how do you need to change? Because what I find is people tend to think one way or the other. They tend to think, how do I need to change? They tend to think, how do you need to change? And I want to tell you, it's a whole lot easier for me to think, how do you need to change? Because it's a whole lot easier for you to change than for me to change. And I'll tell you, if you need some advice on how you need to change, well, just talk to me and I'll help you out with it. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's how we all think. 
I mean, when you start thinking, how do you need to change, everybody's always got some suggestions along that line. And where it boils down to with all of that is, do you want to build, be a bridge builder or do you want to be a wall builder? Because if you want to be a wall builder, try this at lunch. Sit down with somebody that you're eating, you know, your family, your friends, your spouse. Sit down at lunch and say, hey, you know, what we share here, the relationship we share is really important to me. I really value it a lot. I want to make it the best it can be. I know you feel the same way. And so I'm going to ask you, how do you need to change to make that happen? And as soon as you ask that question, what's going to happen? They're going to choke on their sandwich. That's what's going to happen. And then they're going to stutter over their coffee. And then what's going to happen after that is the walls are going to go right up. I mean, you ask somebody the question, how do you need to change? You're thinking in the back of your mind, if you don't know, I'll help you out with it, you know? Man, the walls go up with that. But if you want to be a bridge builder, try this. Sit down at lunch with somebody you love, family member, friend, you know, whoever you're having lunch with, sit down with them and say, hey, you know what, I value our relationship. It's really important to me. I want it to be the best that it can be. And then say, how do I need to change to help make that happen? You know what will happen then? They'll choke on their sandwich again. <laughs> and then they'll sputter up their coffee again. And then what will happen is it opens up an opportunity a rich dialogue because what we've done is we've come into a place of vulnerability where people can where you can find out how people experience you from the other side what it means to be with you and you can find out from them ways that you can draw closer together how do I need to change it's a matter of building bridges how do I need to change another reason we ask that question is because we want to do our best in the relationships God gives us to love the people who are most important to you and are most important to me. Because here's the reality about relationships. People receive love on their own terms. People receive love on their own terms. John Trent, Gary Smalley, they wrote a book about that. It's called The Five Love Languages. And in that book, what they began to outline is people have a preference in how they, how they experience and receive love from other people. And for some people, what it is is affirming words. And for other people, what it is is gentle touch. And for some people, what it is is thoughtful gifts. Some people consider it deeds. Some people quality time. But see, what's important for the people who are close to you, it's different for different people. And, and the premise of the book is what we need to do is we need to understand what that is so that we can change. We can change how we express our love for them in ways that they can best receive it. And so for me to ask, how do I need to change, is for me to begin to think about how can I best engage those who are important for me to engage. And even if you haven't read the book, as a parent, you probably already know this. Because as we begin to look at our kids, you know, you don't, we love our kids, you know, the same, but we don't love them the same way. You know, I mean, what happens is you have one kid that's kind of strong-willed, hard-headed. You have another child that's overly sensitive. You have one that's super expressive. You have one that's kind of super shy and introverted. I mean, your heart toward them is the same for each and every one of them. But the way you reach out to engage them, it's different for each one. And so we ask ourselves, how do I need to change so I can best engage the people who are important for me to engage, to love them the way that I want to love them? 
And the fourth and probably the most important reason to ask the question, how do I need to change? Because flexibility is integral to faithfulness. Flexibility is integral to faithfulness. And we see that in God. Because as I envision God's heart toward you and toward me and toward all, God has a heart for all people in ways that God wants to include all in God's love. And the way that God does that is God doesn't say, well, here's how you have to be so that I love you. What God does is God reaches out to people wherever we got love is broad and inclusive and wide and diverse in ways that it reaches out to embrace us all in. And you begin to see as you look through the Bible how that unfolds, how God in God's faithfulness to all has a flexibility in the midst of all. And you see what happens at the beginning. God puts us in the garden, says, hey, this is going to be good. In fact, the word is really good. And it looks like it would be. Except what happens as it goes along, you find out kind of how it falls apart. And then God says, okay, that kind of is not working the way I hoped it would. Let's go ahead and let's try a covenant, a committed relationship. Comes to Abraham and Sarah, says, I will be your God. You'll be my people. He makes some promises. God gives that committed relationship to the people. And you're thinking, oh, that would work. That will move forward. And then it, that kind of falls apart. And then God says, well, maybe what it needs is a little bit more content, some structure, some do's and some don'ts. And so God puts that all together in the commandments and gives that to the people. Hopefully that will lead them forward. And that doesn't quite work out either. And so God says, maybe it needs to be in people, not in just words. And so God gives kings, judges, and God gives kings. And then God comes along, and that doesn't quite work, and maybe it needs to be a little bit more organized in terms of a religious organization to the temple and the priests. And then that doesn't work, and then there's the prophets. God continually reaching out in faithfulness. And you and I know where the bottom line is, and you and I know where the ultimate is, and you and I know that the bottom line and the ultimate is in Jesus Christ. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, God reaches out to all people through one person son to embrace us all in his love and so the apostle paul in that faithfulness of god comes along to the people of his day and says you know what that's the way god is and so that's the way i will be i become all things to all people that by all means i might be involved in the way that the gospel comes to each and every one and there were people who looked at the apostle doing that and they said you know what this guy has no principles he's a chameleon He's just like the, everybody he meets, he just, he becomes like them, you know? I mean, what's up with that? And the apostle says, you know, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. A strategy of flexibility. All things, to all people. Because here's the goal. By all means, I might win some. See, what he's trying to do is he's trying to create common ground common ground and in that connection begin to communicate the love of God and Jesus Christ at the level that people can receive it. And so for people who are living under the law and like their religion kind of with the eyes dotted and the T's crossed and all the meticulous ways, he says, I meet them there. And the people who have, you know, have a faith in God but don't dot all the I's and cross the T's, I'll meet them there. And for the people who, he says, are weak, who just have a, even a hard time believing in God, he says, I'll meet them there. He meets people where they are because what he wants to do is share in the blessing of 
love of God in Jesus Christ for their lives. And so we begin to find in that example is that flexibility, faithfulness expresses itself in a way, in a way that why is more important than how. Mission is more important than God's method and that the purpose that we share guides the processes and how we live. And so we begin to see, as he says, as he comes along, is that we have that flexibility that begins to let us express Christ's love in ways that we do keep up with what's going on in the world, in ways that we do build bridges, in ways that we do share the love of Christ with those who are most important to us in ways that they can receive it. We ask ourselves, how can I change in ways that I can live into the blessing of sharing in the gospel? And I want to tell you, friends, as we close up today, sometimes that changes just not complicated. Sometimes as they ask that question, it can be really small. It can be as small as what you eat for lunch. Because let me share with you kind of an experience that I had in, as a mission, part of a mission team. We were in Haiti. We were uh, doing some water purification. We were trying to figure out how we we're going to get these water purifiers in the homes of people in the community. And we were working through a church. And as we worked in that project, we invited people to come into the church. We would train them up. And as we trained them up, then we'd share in lunch. And then we're trying to figure out, well, when they all go home, how are we going to figure out you know, where they go? And, and how are we going to be welcomed into their house and everything else? And so we're kind of wrestling with this. And as we're going through the logistics of, of, of the trip, one of the choices that we made along the way, and, and at the time when we made it, we really didn't realize the full impact of it is how we're going to eat lunch. Because you see, for us, eating lunch meant, hey, let's bring our American sandwich. <laughs> you know, let's bring our ham and cheese. And let's kind of eat what we normally eat, you know. And what happened was when we got in there and we thought about what we're going to have for lunch, we said, well, we don't need to be eating ham and cheese. What we need to be eating is beans and rice. <laughs> what we need to be doing is sitting down with those who are with and cheering in the meal together finding common ground together. And I tell you, when we sat down and kneeled together, we did find common ground together. When we entered into the place where they were in terms of just sharing in, in simple food that they shared in, and the decision was as simple as that, when we made that change, what that did was allow us to unite our lives and we experienced the blessing of the gospel and the way it began to formulate in around those tables and the way it went out into the community in ways that we were enriched, in ways that they were enriched, in ways that God was glorified, and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Sometimes the decision on how I need to change just isn't big. But what we need to do is be asking ourselves that question because the apostle says this, I become all things to all people so that by all means, I might win some to Christ. Let that heart be ours.